Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for GWBC Radio's Open for Business. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of GWBC Open for Business, and this will be a good one. Today we have with us Sarah Stender Delaney, and she is with Three Mountains. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much. Good morning. Well, before we get too far into things, tell us about Three Mountains. Uh, what are you guys up to and who are you serving? Yeah, well, I am based in Asheville, North Carolina, where I've lived for, I guess, 13, 14 years. Um, I had the great opportunity to spend a year in Rwanda, um, which for anyone who doesn't know is uh, a small landlocked country in East Africa, about the size of Vermont but with many more people. <laughs> and it was a dream come true. It changed my life. Uh, that was in 2009. Um, and then I launched Three Mountains in 2016 with the effort of connecting artisans and uh, farmers and producers in Rwanda with uh, global markets, specifically for tea-based products. So what um, kind of was the catalyst of saying, okay, first let's check out R Rwanda. And then when arriving there saying, man, this is, there's something here that's special. And uh, let me plug in and really kind of become part of the community and really kind of start, I guess, adjusting your whole trajectory of your career in life. Yeah, it was a really long, <laughs> interesting process. I would say it started really in my early twenties um, before, uh, you know, probably about 10 years before I actually made it to Rwanda, um, I watched a documentary about the um, genocide of 1994. And there were women in the film talking about what they had experienced and what they had lost. And more importantly, what they had overcome and how they were uh, recovering. And it really really got me thinking um, about my purpose and and what I was here to do on this earth. And uh, it also helped me on my own personal healing journey. I had post-traumatic stress disorder myself and I uh, had um, experienced violence. And when I heard their stories, um, it just really, really um, resonated with me. And although I couldn't imagine what they had experienced, I wanted to travel there one day and learn from them about this resiliency. And, uh, and I was really inspired by their stories. And so fast forward, you know, somehow I was presented the opportunity to uh, run a business in Rwanda. Um, I was at that point, I guess, 30. Um, and a, an American couple um, owned a business there called Heaven Restaurant, and it was a um, mission-driven organization with the intention of providing jobs and training for orphans who had lost their parents during the genocide and were now young adults. And um, they had to come to the States to have a baby. And uh, so I moved there and ran their business and kind of took care of things for a year. And the whole thing just completely changed my life. I was really inspired. Um, I really felt at home there. It's a very beautiful, safe, mountainous place. Um, and the people are so welcoming. And I got to know 
the tea while I was there. And I thought, you know, when I, when I go back to the States, there's got to be more, you know, I, I have to do something with Rwandans there. It's just, um, it was such an amazing opportunity. And um, I would say before I even got into the tea, I was um, very uh, driven to create uh, more opportunities for people who had a history of trauma to access resources. Um, I had the great p- privilege to access resources in this country. Um, and so we created a nonprofit foundation called Healing Exchange, AHE.org. And um, through that programming, we started offering services for trauma healing and, and more importantly, for developing everyday resilience skills. And uh, we're still developing that today and creating a model that can be replicated around the world. Um, and then from there, you know, with, with greater mental health and emotional um, stability, it's just only natural that, that we want to access economic freedom and financial security and uh, self-reliance. And so that's how we started developing more business opportunities. And I created Three Mountains as a catalyst to help do that. Um, for our partners in Rwanda, but also for people in the U.S. and for myself and my own family. Um, and so we go beyond fair trade. We, um, we source only premium uh, organic fair trade tea. And we are actually creating our own, um, our own herbal tea program called Ubuzima, which means total health for the family. And we have a healing garden project in Rwanda where we're growing Tulsi, holy basil, oat straw, lemongrass, and some other really amazing botanicals that we use in blends there, but also I'll be using in my um, 2021 recipes for our sparkling teas. So um, prior to this work and kind of finding this purpose, were you an entrepreneur? Did you have an, a regular job? Like, or was this always, you were always entrepreneurial and then you were able to kind of um, have this experience and then it kind of moved you more into maybe social entrepreneurship? How did that come about? Yeah, um, I would definitely say I've always been entrepreneurial. I grew up in a small town in Vermont and I don't know if it was, I mean, because it was necessary to create your own businesses in the rural community I lived in, but I was surrounded by small business owners. Um, my stepdad owned a um, home building and construction business, and he was very, um, he was a pioneer in the green building industry before it was so common. Um, and so I watched, you know, it was, it was kind of in my home and, um, and I remember as a, as a child, like, you know, I did the whole lemonade stand, but no one ever came because we lived like a mile from, <laughs> from any other houses. I mean, it was so remote. So I would do other things. Um, I started a, a birthday planning um, business for parent, busy parents when I was, I think, 12. Um, I had like a jewelry company and little things like that. I was just always... Um, inspired to create things but I also I I also knew that like there was a deeper purpose here you know that I didn't I couldn't really imagine doing like kind of a basic nine to five I liked having the freedom I love traveling 
Um, I just love the challenge of creating new things and then watching them grow. Um, and I started, um, well, I studied business in college in Boston. And um, I did start on a very traditional finance path. I worked for a bank in Boston my first year out of college. Um, and so I, I have done more kind of traditional jobs. Um, but then I quickly um, kind of merged and started my own uh, fair trade cafe bistro back in Vermont in my early 20s. Um, and then I took a little break and uh, I absolutely love to ski and I took a little break and worked for a um, Skiria council and um, kind of bummed around. I spent a little time in Colorado. I've always been drawn to the mountains, um, hence the company name Three Mountains. So yeah, I've had regular jobs, um, but you know, and I also had kind of the side gigs necessary to launch this company here in Asheville and had some really great uh great experiences with local organizations and served as um, fundraising managers and, and, and consultants for different local area businesses and nonprofits. Now, you mentioned early on you had a lemonade stand, so I guess that was your first foray into the beverage industry. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> what, um, what made you think like, hey, I think I can do this beverage thing. Like, you know, there's tea leaves here. You know, I'll figure this out. Uh, I mean, like, you know, it's a big leap going from, hey, let's kind of play on the on the stove and play around with things to, uh, uh, you know, the beverage industry is manufacturing. Like there's a lot of moving parts to that to scale it. Um, how did that come about? That. Yeah, I mean, you know, ignorance is bliss. Like, I am glad that I didn't know <laughs> what I know now, because I probably wouldn't have gotten into it. But I have no regrets. And I absolutely love what I do. And I mean, yesterday, I spent most of the day in grocery stores, checking on products and checking with the managers. And I just had this moment I was walking through a grocery store aisle. And I just had this thought, like, God, I love this business. Like, I love I love the consumer packaged good business. Like I love the grocery business. And I just, you know, 10 years ago, I, I don't know. I, I really didn't know much about it at all. So it's interesting um, that I'm at this point and I'm just super grateful that I, that I do love it. You know, there's of course aspects of it that, that aren't always exciting or fun, but I mean, that's just part of it. Um, but yeah, I, so I stopped drinking alcohol when I was um, 20, eight, so 14 years ago. And, um, and living in Asheville, you know, I mean, breweries are just popping up left and right, or they were, and uh, it's kind of a social thing to do. And um, so, yeah, I've, I've always been looking at non-alcoholic options just for myself. And um, I try to live a healthy lifestyle. I don't eat much sugar. I don't want to drink a bunch of calories. Um, so there was that, you know, there was that I wanted to create um, a beverage, which would not only like be interesting for myself, but I just know so many people are trying to drink less alcohol, but want something special, you know, and want something that's healthy, and they don't feel guilty about it. But it, it could be like an everyday drink, too. So kind of put that together with my exposures to all the tea farmers and, and then really getting to know the tea leaves and discovering these, this is like award winning tea, this is not a charity product. This is like, 
Rwandan tea is some of the best in the world and why aren't we seeing it in stores or even mentioned on labels? Um, we're starting to see like single origin Rwandan coffee here, um, but still people are surprised. They don't even know tea comes from Rwanda. Um, East Africa actually produces 17% of the world's tea. Most of it's from Kenya. Um, but so put all those things together and then I saw what a great social impact and economic impact we could make by sourcing ingredients directly from the farmers in Rwanda. And so I've been working there for 10 years and have those relationships and it all just came together and, um, and then, you know, studying the trends and studying opportunities in this country, um, it, it, it just all made sense. So that's how I that's how I decided to move forward with the business. And, and I started slowly. I mean, I created my recipes myself. Yes. Um, in my kitchen on the stove, but, um, but, but then I, I thought, Hmm, I wonder what would happen if we, you know, moved this kind of cold brew tea to like another level. And, um, I had some friends who owned breweries and I, I, I um, asked one of them if they would help me, if they would teach me how to keg and um, carbonate it with me and see what happened. And so we just did some testing and we did a small batch and um, we did a little um, sort of like a feedback session with an event they had and they had their beers. And then I had my little table over in the corner with my keg of my original recipe and it was a huge hit. You know, it might have been like 50 people who tried it that night and it was beyond what I could have imagined for feedback. And so that was the moment when I thought, wow, this might actually be a marketable product. Um, but then it was probably another year or even more that um, I decided to can it. You know, originally I thought this is going to be a kegged option for breweries to have a non-alcoholic choice on tap. And then, so at some point you said, hey, let's put it in cans and sell it uh, to the consumer directly? Yeah. I mean, we did enough events and um, had enough enough feedback from breweries that it just, it was taking off and growing in popularity. And I was feeling really, really confident about the flavor profile and formulation. Um, and then it, that was another um big hurdle to finally get into cans and to get it um, shelf stable without using artificial ingredients or preservatives. Um, and that was, that was probably the most stressful time. It's just that, that R and D period of like, is this going to go, you know, is this going to be safe and shelf stable and can we keep it true to the original recipe? Um, and I had no idea how tough the grocery business was. I mean, I had no idea um, what it took to actually get into stores. And, you know, so many people are, are you know, we, we always hear, oh, you should, you should, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And um, so, yeah, it was probably two years ago and people were like, you should really get into Whole Foods with this, you know? But I mean, I wasn't even at the point where we had, um, well, you know, we were still doing it in small batch um, at a brewery. So it's, it's been about six months. We've really, really scaled up um, and partner with a new, uh, we've partnered with a new facility and we're able to do it in very large volume. And, um, and it's, 
yeah, we're, we're just at another level now. And I'm really, you know, I was telling someone yesterday, um, they were asking for advice and I'm glad I'm at that point where I can offer some advice, but I, I still have a steep lear- learning curve ahead, but now I have people on our team who have been in this industry for a long time and they know how to navigate it. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that help now and, and to have a growing, growing team but I am glad that I had to learn myself, you know, because I do understand all the um, the steps that it takes. And, and I'm glad I didn't just go full steam ahead two years ago and, and hire everyone I needed to do the different things to get into UNFI, to go nationwide, to do all the marketing. I think um, it really, I'm glad we did it kind of the slow route. Now, how did you um, kind of manage the funding of this? Is this self-funded or did you have investors? Um, it's a combination. Yeah. So now that part of the business is a whole other business. I mean, there's so many moving parts to pull something like this off. It's really an amazing achievement. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I don't really, um, I mean, every, every business has a different fundraising and, and, um, financing strategy and model. And I never bought into the, um, you know, I had a lot of people warn me that it would be much more expensive than I thought. And I'm an eternal optimist. And um, I'm not, um, you know, I, I, I'm not a financially wealthy person. It wasn't that, you know, I, uh, I just had all this money to pour into something. I just had so much faith and so much trust. And I knew this thing was meant to be because the mission is so much bigger than me. It's so much more than tea or a beverage. And I just knew the funds would show up as we needed them. And I mean, that may sound so naive, but it's worked for me. And I do also believe that you can grow a business with your revenue. And I do believe that, you know, every business has a different, um, I guess it really depends on how fast you want to grow it. And like I said, it, you know, if I had decided to do that route of like, okay, we got to go all in like so fast nationwide. Yes. It would have taken a lot more money than I had access to at the time, but I've also seen companies fail like that because they, they, they raise all this money and they spend all the money, but they haven't learned even who their customer is in that time. So, um, that's kind of how we've done it to this point. So now who is your customer? Is it uh, kind of grocery stores and boutique uh, gourmet shops and restaurants? Like who, who, or are you going direct to the consumer combination? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the end user, I guess we're still discovering is, you know, we want to say, well, I mean, when I used to do demos and events, it seemed like everyone liked it, which is really hard sometimes. Cause you want to know like, who is our target demographic here? And so I think sometimes that changes, you know, I, I think often as founders or like recipe inventors, we tend to think our target demographic is someone just like us, right? Like it's going to be female, like my age into health and fitness, like adventure travel. Um, But, you know, I, we're still figuring that out because I will sometimes walk through a store and see, you know, people grabbing my drinks out of the fridge and it's not maybe who I thought. And um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely the healthier, um, person, but not necessarily someone who's afraid of like one gram of sugar, you know, because I, I don't, 
I don't think one gram of organic raw cane sugar um, is going to like throw me off of a certain type of diet, but I know that's not for everyone. So we do have calorie free and sugar free options as well. Um, but I also think it's the person who um, really looks behind the label in a brand and um, they're, they're choosing a product for the the flavor and the healthy ingredients first and foremost, but they also want to know and trust that the brand is doing good things in the world. And especially now where most of us are staying close to home and not really able to travel, I think we're looking for ways to connect and give back um, in a really simple way. And so for someone to know that can be done just by choosing our products is um, we make it easy for that. But in terms of like our wholesale customer, um, that is shifted with COVID too. So we aren't relying so much on um, restaurants or university campuses like we might have uh, 10 months ago because those were channels we were growing in. And especially, I mean, the university demographic is a great one for us, but that's been really up and down lately. So yes, we're putting um, a lot of our resources and attention into building out the grocery channel, particularly the natural grocery, but even in conventional grocery, there is a very um, fast growing um, expansion in their natural sets. Um, and, And then we are launching an Amazon in three weeks. So super excited for that. Now, you mentioned um, the importance of affiliating and becoming uh, immersed in different communities, some of which are associations that um, have helped you in your growth. Can you speak a little bit about GWBC and how that's helped or supported your work? Yeah, um, I'm really grateful for the organization and um, the opportunities that it provides. And I, I guess it it was last winter that I went through the process and did the paperwork. And um, it was just a no brainer to me to be part of this. I, I really think um, it's important to support our, you know, fellow female entrepreneurs and other people um, in diversity. And, you know, it's, it's a challenging, I mean, it's a challenging business. And I would say in my industry, Um, the beverage industry, grocery industry, it is very rare that I meet other women um, in the business, whether it's like at a grocery store management level, at the buyer level, at the um, manufacturer's CEO level, there just aren't that many. Um, And I guess that's changing, but to have that recognition and to be able to use the WBENC Um, logo and mark in our material. And then lately, I've noticed um, more and more opportunities for um, coming from specifically the grocery channel with requests for um, certified women businesses. And um, in some cases, even, you know, fees are reduced. So that's really helpful. And I just think the more we can put this message and image on our products and our companies, the more we can inspire other young women or even girls 
who just don't have that many role models, but they see it and they're like, oh, wow, this is so cool. Like this company is owned by a woman. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I go into a store, even here in Western North Carolina. And, um, you know, I might be checking in products and people think, well, you know, I'm an employee and then they see my name on the can and they're like shocked, you know, and I don't know if they're shocked because it's me or because I'm a woman, but it's still, um, it's still a pretty strong reaction. Well, you saw growing up when you had a role model of an entrepreneur and it became, and seeing kind of the ins and outs of that, how powerful it was for you in your path of it's doable, it's possible, it's hard but I can do this. And then there you are now role modeling that same behavior to other girls and women to show, Hey, I'm doing it. It's hard. It's Mm -hmm. rewarding. I'm making a difference. You can do this too. I mean, I, I think that that's the more young people, especially see role models that look like themselves. uh, It's important to, because that can change the trajectory of their life and career because they don't know what's possible until they see what's possible a lot of the times. And um, the more they see that it's pot, not only it's possible that there's a lot of people doing this now, they can do it too. And they'll take that leap and they don't have to feel like I have to get a job or I have to, you know, sacrifice and settle for something when there's more out there. If I can dream bigger. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, um, I went to an all women's college Simmons college in Boston and it's funny, I, I just kind of like getting to Rwanda, I just felt so divine that I ended up there because I was looking at probably eight schools and none of them were all women. I never set out to be in an all women's school. I mean, that was the last thing on my mind. Um, but in the end, it, it was the best option. And in the end, it felt like a great fit. And I was still in Boston, you know, lots to do. There were co-ed schools next door. Um, but in the classroom, I just was so focused and surrounded by professors and other students who are so such great role models as well and teaching things like female advantage and how to be a strong female leader. And so that really was an amazing opportunity for me too, that again, I wouldn't have set out to do. And I, it's not for everyone, but um, I, I wish that kind of inspiration for every other woman and young girl. Well, what could we be doing to help you? Um, how can we help you get the word out? Uh, let people know this exists. Is it, a, you said you're going to be partnering with Amazon shortly Right now, is the um, beverages available through your website? Can anybody anywhere get it, or do you have to be near you? Yeah, so we ship um, around the country and anywhere. It's Drink Cirilla. Um, so drinkcirilla.com. It's made with our loose leaf tea, which is Drink Tima Tea, T-I-M-A. And um, both those places, you can purchase our products and sign up for our newsletters, which we send out very rarely, um, but those are great ways to stay in touch. And then I always, you know, like to connect with people on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and, and we just, we also are willing to send out samples to anyone. If you can just try to cover shipping, um, we have product to give away right now. And cause we can't be in stores sampling. I would love to get free samples to your listeners. And if they go to drinksorilla.com, that's the best website, right? Yeah, because from there they can just link to our social or send us a direct message. And then that's D-R-I-N-K-S-A-R-I-L-L-A dot com? 
Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today, Sarah. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you and I appreciate your support. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on GWBC Open for Business. (laughs) 